Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask, where everyone has something they can teach you. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler. In this episode, we are going to explore why we do what we do when it comes to money. As a CPA for the past 30 years, wait, let me say 25 because that makes me sound younger. I have seen it all when it comes to money and emotions. And if you think I'm talking about my clients, I'm not. I'm talking about myself. My relationship with money has been, and sometimes still is, an emotional roller coaster. Maybe that's something you're also familiar with. Good news. You and I are not the only ones. Our next guest is going to share their money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges as well. Buckle your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Our next guest is Heather Zeitzwolf. She is a CPA, profitability coach, podcast host of Get the Balance Right, speaker, rebel, nerd, vegan, cat mom, feminist, activist, and intent on helping female entrepreneurs take control of their finances. She has funky colored hair, transforms tofu into delicious desserts, and geeks out on writing sketch comedy. Her Myers-Briggs is an ENTJ, which describes her pretty well. Mm. Frank, decisive, assumes leadership readily, quickly sees illogical and inefficient procedures and policies, develop and implement comprehensive systems to solve organizational problems, enjoys long-term planning and goal setting, usually well-informed, well-read, enjoys expanding their knowledge and passing it on to others. Today, I hope I get the balance right. Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you. Wow, that was quite the intro. That was. Awesome. We do what we can. So. Heather, you're a CPA, and so people often say this to me, you're a CPA, and you've got funky colored hair? Like, does that let you have a better ability to do math? (laughs) You know, my mom, when I told her I was going to go back to school to study accounting, and that was in my 40s, I decided to go back to school and study that. My mom was like, why? Why in the world would you want to do that? Like, oh, that sounds terrible. She was like- "Horrible." horrible. Oh, no, there's like so many more things that she would have been proud of me to do instead of being a CPA. Like she never quite understood it. But I grew up uh, loving spreadsheets. So to me, the whole thing made sense. You know, I was one of those kids that I would play math as a child. Like I had a chalkboard and I would like put things on the chalkboard and add and I would play school and had the carbon paper. This is back in the 70s. And so I loved numbers and playing with numbers and all that. So it logically made sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Now, did you like invoicing? Like, you got to do the invoicing because you got to get paid. <laughs> oh, you know, if you're talking about like when I was a kid, my dad had a business. And so he had all like the things with the carbon paper. I forget. The packaging slip and all the, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the journal. And I would just love to just nerd down and just put things in there. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was pretending. And if there's a form, I love to fill it out. Like, I get excited <laughs> about forms. There's just a weird thing in me that's just like, ooh, a form. And people give me their forms to fill out because, well, now I do it for a living. Because you love doing it more. Yeah. (laughs) Now, what were you doing before you said, I've got to be a CPA because there's nothing better in life? Oh, my God. So I started my career in fashion. I started fashion design right out of high school, worked in that, decided that I really liked the business side of things because 
I thought fashion was going to be about art, but it was really about business. It was like, right. how many of these things can we sell at the cheapest price point? All the things. So I got interested in business, went to school for business. And I thought, what's the most creative area of business it was advertising. So I studied advertising marketing, but realized that advertising is kind of evil. And so <laughs> as I was studying it, I was like, we're trying to make people buy things that they don't even want. Like, this seems really horrible. So I got into market research. So it, that made sense for me because I like the analytical part of it. And we, you know, ran reports and looked at percentages and all that kind of stuff. But my finance classes, my teachers would be like, you should study finance. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. But I always kind of stayed in the back of my mind. And I loved my accounting class. And back when I took accounting, we did everything, hand journaled, all the kind of Ledgers. stuff. Ledgers. Yeah, everything. Spoiled kids. Oh, my God. So we did all that stuff by hand. So I didn't even use software to do it. It was just that. And then you built a spreadsheet. And I just had so much fun geeking out over that. But when I went back to school, you know, things were different. I had to relearn debits and credits and all that stuff. But OK, so you asked me, how did I get there? So I was working in market research. I was laid off. It was kind of like everybody's getting laid off. What do you do? My dad was in hospice. I was taking care of him. And I was helping my father, like, get onto the toilet and everything. He was really late in his life. And I'm thinking, like, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And I'm thinking law school. You know, it's like all these things. And you see somebody sort of deteriorating at the end of your life. And I'm like thinking, like, okay, I got to do something where I can kind of grow old with this. Yeah. So I thought law school, too much student debt. I went back to Portland State University where I studied got my first business degree and they're like, yeah, you take like a year's worth of credits and then you get another degree. And so I was like, oh, and then I'd have enough credits to sit for the CPA exam and all that. And it's like, okay, everything logically seemed like it fit together. And it was a job that I could sit a lot and grow old in. So yeah, that was my decision for all of that. And what's your favorite part about being a CPA when you're sitting with clients? Because some people will look at me and go, you like to do this. (laughs) I actually like helping people. I like doing tax strategies. I like seeing people pay less tax when possible. What is it for you? I love connecting with people. So this has been so nice working on my own because I have more contact with a client. And when you start to dig into their business, everything touches the finance. It's like people don't want to think about the numbers part of it. And I work with a lot of people that are just starting their business. I work with a lot of women that are later in life. I'm in my 50s, so I tend to work with women that are 40s, 50s, and they have a lot of maybe shame around numbers. They're kind of afraid. They come to me with their heads held down like, I oh, know I should have seeked you out earlier, you know, all these things. And I love to be able to make them feel comfortable about it. So that's probably one of the things that I like the best is that people will come to me and say like, I worked with this other accountant. They didn't really They talked above my head. I didn't know what they were saying. I was afraid to ask them questions. So I try to make it as shame-free as possible and make people feel very comfortable. So I want them to learn more about their business. And, you know, once you start to dig in there and see things, and then you can actually change things. And then they're like, oh my God, I never knew that before. Like this aha moment that you can bring to your clients. That's probably one of my favorite things is that when they finally see something, you know, I've gotten their books in order and we start to go through and dig around and look at how do you did from this quarter to that quarter and what you can change and all of that. And their mind, you're like, whoa, I had no idea all these things. So I think like helping them blow their mind is probably one of my favorite things. It's fun. It's fun. Well, let me ask you this. So 
one of the things we talk about on this podcast is money, emotions, and part of why I started it was because I felt like there was so much shame around money choices, lack of financial literacy. And would you say that that occurs for the majority of your clients, a very small percentage of your clients? What do you find, besides these women coming in that are starting their businesses, do you find that to be true? Yes. So when I first started my business, <laughs> I was just like advertising the fact that if you're afraid of your taxes or if you're afraid of your business, whatever, I'm here to help. I'm your shoulder to cry on kind of. That was sort of the shtick that I was sort of putting out there. Yeah. And I try to make things as fun as possible. I have on my website, like this is a no shame zone. And I work with men and women and they both have issues around money. And yeah, here's the thing. I mean, you're a CPA too. And I feel like when I'm looking at somebody's financials, it's super intimate. People do not tell anybody how much money they make, not their preacher, not their mother. That is like something you don't say. Right. You don't ask people their weight. You don't ask people how much money they make. But these people have to come to me and trust me with that information. And I take that very, very seriously. Like, we're going to have a relationship here. People cry sometimes when they're talking to me, you know, and it's like, let it all out. It can be very emotional, like talking about your money. And I do coaching with money as well. And we start with money mindset. Let's get in there and dig in there and figure out why you have these feelings that you do about money and try to break free from them. And we all have money blocks, money issues. And I mean, I know about this stuff and I'm still working through some of mine. So, I mean, it's instilled. I grew up with parents that were from the depression era. So that is really ingrained in me. You can't see my desk, but I've got like all kinds of junk that I've hoarded because I can't throw (laughs) away a pencil that still has a little bit of lead left in it. You know, because you might need it one day. You never know when pens, when all of my pens that I've gathered from every conference I've gone to has run out of ink, I will have that little piece of pencil, but I'll need to find my sharpener. How do you work against that? I laugh because I like to keep six months worth of groceries in my pantry and I've got to make sure I get every drop of soup out when it calls for 12 ounces. I got to make sure I got 12 ounces, right? I can laugh about it, but there is a part of me internally that's very obsessive freaking out. How do you coach yourself or how do you work yourself through some of that stuff? It's been a rough road because I will tell you that I am flat out cheap. People say, oh, don't say that you're frugal. Well, frugal. (laughs) Okay. That's a nice way to, it sounds like French or something frugal, but I'm cheap. I mean, I will not pick up the tab, you know, places like I'll just wait and see if other people pick up the tab. That sort of thing. I'm very giving of my time and my skills and knowledge and all of that. I'll be the first one to like chip in and do something. But letting go of my cash is another thing. So, you know, when you said that you have like six months worth of groceries, I definitely have that. I go to Costco and I stock up on stuff and to the point that it gets rancid by the time I get around to using it. But at least I have it. And if the stuff hits the fan, I've got a bag of pinto beans that I could be sucking on for the next six months. So I mean, maybe 12 months. I don't know. Like if you can't heat it, that's all all you're gonna have to do is suck on the dry beans, I guess. So well now if you're out with five friends and you're gonna split the bill and you didn't have any wine and you didn't have the dessert, but everybody else did, are you gonna split it evenly? Oh no, of course not. <laughs> no, no, no. Mm-mm. And we're not splitting that tip either. 
evenly. No, 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 no. I will actually, I'm the first one when there's a group and I'll tell the waitress, like, can we split the tab? Especially if they start ordering things, you know. But of course, if they want to allow me to have a little bit of their appetizers, I will indulge. I just <laughs> won't give them a cut of, I'm not going to chip in any. No, no, no. You ordered the fries. You invited me to try some of the fries. I'm not paying you a couple of dollars for that fry. No. I feel your pain. I feel your pain. Now, you work with a lot of women. Was that intentional? Was that just, how did that come about? Well, you kind of draw in the people that you know when you first start a business. So I started my business about, I think it's a little over two years. And I know a lot of people in comedy. So I had a lot of comedic clients. I had people that were in Toastmasters because I'm in that and like just different networks that I had. And I'm a vegan, I'm a passionate vegan. And so I kind of put it out there that I was like the vegan CPA and, but kind of putting all those things out there, you get kind of a mixture of things that don't really (laughs) blend together and you want to be able to have some sort of specialization, right? So I'm a creative person. I've worked in the creative fields before and I mentioned fashion, but theater and, and all that. So I definitely want to work with creative people. And so I think those type of people are more attracted to someone with pink hair. If they are bankers or something, I don't know. They're they're not going to be working with me. So the creative people. And then I thought, I'm a woman. I want to have more women's voices out there. And so nothing against men. I mean, I have male clients too. But I just think as far as me putting out my group offers, doing more group coaching, I just want it to be a comfortable environment. So I just feel like I can really hone in on the female vibe and do that through my podcast. So my podcast, actually, I started, it's called Get the Balance Right. When I first started, it was aimed towards creatives, both men and women. And then I felt like, you know what? I want to elevate the female voice, especially in podcasting. It's male dominated still. And so I decided I'm just going to have female guests on and target my business towards females as well. It's been kind of this like path. I still have plenty of male clients. It's just, I'm trying to weave my way over to that. Yeah. Now, do you treat your meat eating female clients as generously as your vegan eating clients? I mean, is there, (laughs) is there any shame involved or do they get a pass? Okay. So here's my feeling on all that. (laughs) Yes. I put that out there that I am the vegan CPA. And when I first put that out there, I was attracting people that were like starting different types of businesses. And I mean, that just like runs the gamut of, Right. Types of businesses. So, yes, I do have vegan clients and I do give them a discount because they're extra awesome. So as long as I know that they're vegan, they get a discount. I do take on people that are non-vegans, but as long as their business is not conflicting with my ethics. So as long as they're not. I had someone that came to me that was doing like a catering company on their website. It showed meat and I'm like, I can't I can't work with you. So here's the thing. When you're a vegan, there's like talking about shame. People shame other people like (laughs) you're not a vegan. But my feeling is that I'm here to convert people. So I actually want to attract people that are not vegan so that I can subtly give them hints and tips and things like that so that maybe they will become a vegan or at least a part time vegan. So or think about it or think about it. So, yes, it's all part of my plan to turn the the world vegan is to attract non-vegans into my circle. Well, that's cool. The cows appreciate it for sure. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. They do. Well, let me ask you this. You started to focus on women. Can you tell me some of the things that might surprise men and women, the obstacles that women face 
that men might take for granted or women might take for granted. Like mm. there are things, there are real obstacles. And can you share some of those? Well, I mean, some of them are maybe super obvious, but now I work with women that are later in life and some of them are coming to being an entrepreneur for the very first time in their life. And it may be because they've been driven out of corporate, maybe based on their age. There's a lot of things about women getting older and the way the world looks at them and nothing against like millennials and the young people coming in. But yeah, they're going to work cheaper. They look like they're fresh and new and all this kind of stuff. So there's just that stigma of growing older as a woman. Now, women getting into entrepreneurship later in life, there's going to be a few different things. So there's maybe they've never really handled the money in their business. Maybe their husband always handled it. Maybe their husband is dead now or they're divorced. And so now they have to kind of figure out like, oh, man, I never really did this side of it. And again, there could be some shame, confusion around all of that aspect of it. But then the flip side is that they have tons of experience. And so they can come into it. And I've seen a lot of women have this female empowerment of like, I'm badass. You know, I'm older. I've, I've been around the block. So there's that. But I mean, you can say that about men as well. I mean, the same kind of thing happens. But I do think that there's a lot of, we got to get over a lot of humps when you're an older woman. A guy could be like going out there and doing social media and just, he could look like anything, you know, and be there. But a woman feels like they have to like put on makeup and do all the things and be more comfortable in their skin. And so like right now I'm doing a 45 day challenge that I made up on Instagram live doing lives because I was like, who'd want to see me live? Even me who I'm animated and fun and all that. I still have these feelings like, oh, well, these younger kids are like, they're so attractive and people would rather watch them, you know? And so there is a lot of things. Society kind of like puts all this like weight on women. Like you have to be skinnier. You have to be prettier. You have to this and that and like all these things. So it's tough being a woman. We got periods. We got menopause. There's a lot of things going on. A lot of things. So there are a lot of obstacles for women and it's easy to get discounted as a woman. Sometimes, oh, that's like, let her husband come in and fix that or stuff like that. But you were just also talking about the, in your head, right? The social media and everything's going on. How do you quiet the voices that tell you you're not enough, that you're not young enough? Because there are a lot of people and a lot of women, oh, I can't, I can't do TikTok. I can't do, I can't step up and be a business. I'm too old. It's too late. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that we tell ourselves that we can't do. I try to step through my fears and push myself to do things. So that's why I made up this challenge. And challenges are like a big thing right now. People are always like, hey, take my five-day challenge. Did you do this or that? I don't really care about other people's challenges. I just wanted to make a challenge for myself. And I knew that I would stick to my own challenge. So that's why I did that. But I think it can help some people, you know, if they feel like they need to have that camaraderie of other people doing the challenge with them or something. So I think that would, you know, help people push through it. But there's a lot of pressure and there's that whole thing with imposter syndrome. There's a lot of that imposter syndrome. I think, you know, if you find a team of, this is another part of why I wanted to work with women is because when we work together and not be conflicting, like, oh, I'm going to out business you. Instead, we work together as like, how can I support you? How can I elevate you? Who can I introduce you to, to help you? And I don't want to stereotype, but women are more apt to kind of 
be have a sisterhood and like help each other out rather than pin each other against each other. You know, I mean, so much like when you think about business, you think like the hustle and the I'm going to outperform this other person. And really in life, it's better if you support each other. And I think women have a tendency to kind of want to do that with the sisterhood. Although you see those stereotypes of like the bitches, like they're out there to get each other and the cat fights and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But really, women are not really like that. I mean, at least not the women I know. So do you think women entrepreneurs might be different than women in corporate? In other words, corporate women might have to be a little bit more. I'm going to take you down kind of thing. I don't know. I think so. I mean, it always seemed like in corporate, it was sort of that backstabby kind of a lot of office politics. And I mean, that is something I always hated. Just like the thought of that even is just icky. And it's yeah, because it's always I got to keep my job because you might lose your job or you want to get that promotion or whatever it is. Yeah. But if you're your own entrepreneur, even like I mean, I know other CPAs and I mean, I'll toss them work and I want them to succeed. I think it's great to have a sisterhood and have people that are, you know, join Either it might be a Facebook group. I have a Facebook group. It's called Get the Balance Right for Female Entrepreneurs. But you could join something like that. You could join a mastermind. You could get a group coaching program. All kinds of ways to have that where you're not out there doing it yourself. Because that's the other thing about entrepreneurship. It could get really super lonely unless you've got some people that can help support you. And you can spitball ideas and all of that kind of thing. Talking about entrepreneurs, so a lot of times, and I don't know if this is your experience, a lot of entrepreneurs come in with an amazing idea, super creative. It's so fun. It's fun creating the concepts. And then it starts to have success. And now you've got to do the numbers. You've got to invoice every week. Now you have to do all the nitty gritty where it's not much fun or as fun for a lot of people. Do you find that people hit that hump where, like, I'm doing all these things and it's amazing. And then all of a sudden, Oh, yeah, that the chores. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) People are they have a passion. They want to do these things. And then it's like, especially when it gets like if you really want to grow a business then you have to bring on contractors or employees and then you start to have to handle all these different intricacies. You have to have processes in place to have that happen so that you can actually work and be lean and all of these things. Yeah, they get kind of bored with that, especially, you know, I work with creatives and they get to the point where they're like, no, I don't really No, That's not what I want. So I work with a lot of people. I think that are, I think they call them like lifestyle entrepreneurs where they're just like building a lifestyle. And they're not building it to build a business where they can sell later on. And I think with the people that are creative, maybe if they're like a programmer or something, they could see themselves with all the, I don't know, but yeah, not the people that I work with are not. Yeah. That's not their interest. That's not their sweet spot. It's not the sweet spot. (laughs) What were the fears you had when you started your own business? Well, one, where are you going to get clients and are you going to make enough? We do math. We know like how much it takes to bring in the revenue that you need. It's like, where's that going to come from? You know, so those fears have gone away. And that's all entrepreneurs, I think, struggle with that is like, how am I going to make the money that? Oh, actually, you know what? I'll take that back. I think. CPAs think about that, but other people don't think about like where all the money is going to come from. They just start their business and they kind of forget that part of it. Like they don't plan things out. They don't, you know. So the other struggle I would say for me has been marketing. Like, okay, so do you want to do free marketing, which means social media, which means taking up a lot of your time? Or do you want to pay for ads? And then there's a lot of stress on that aspect of it, I guess. But I love the selling part of it. That's something that I really enjoy. I think a lot of people getting into business are like, 
oh, I have to sell. So. <laughs> yeah, sometimes yourself. <laughs> Not literally, but uh, <laughs> figuratively. Any financial regrets? Oh, my God. OK, so let's let's talk. Let's let's get down to it, Bob. So when I was younger and I've shared this on my podcast, but when I was younger, I was like, I loved money. I would count my money in my piggy bank. I had a toy cash register, you know, I'd play store and all that kind of stuff. So I was really into the whole money thing. But, you know, we're not really taught anything about financial literacy in school, at least when I was going to school in the 70s and the 80s. They're still not. Yeah. <laughs> still not. <laughs> and like, they didn't even teach us like how to write a check. I mean, I know right. people are like, what's a check? But back then you get out of school and you're like, you have to write a check. And it's like, wait a minute, what goes where? And like, you don't even know it's the simplest things. And I mean, I had a bank book, but it was like, <laughs> this is back when you'd actually like write in your money in your bank book and stuff. Then I got a credit card. So I went away to school and I got a credit card. I didn't know anything about interest, you know? And then I'd hear people like, Oh, just put it on a credit card. Oh, okay. So you put it on a credit card and you're like, okay, I just pay the minimum. Like, that's all I got to pay is just the minimum. $15. That's easy. What a good deal. Yeah. And it's always the department stores that'll give you those first credit cards. They're like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm working in fashion. I need to be fashionable. I'll just go to Saks Fifth Avenue, just charge it. And then it's like, oh, I got my Saks Fifth Avenue card. I might as well just eat lunch there. It's like, you think this is like free money. Woo. It's free. Totally. And then the more you rack up, the more cards that they'll give you. It's like, it's an amazing thing. It's like, oh, I just paid the $15 minimum, $15 minimum. Well, then if you start to look at the statement a little bit closer, you see like, whoa, wait a minute. What's all this interest that I owe? And then the thing keeps getting larger and larger and you've already reached your max, but it's like, you can't keep up with it. So needless to say, I got into some credit card problems as a younger person. And when you do that, banks aren't really keen on giving you an account. You can't get other credit card accounts. You can't get an apartment if you owe on credit cards because they look at credit scores. I mean, that's an important thing, uh, whether we like it or not. They do look at credit scores. Even if a like a job will look at a credit score and see like, oh, should I hire? Oh, she's got credit card problems or whatever. So I had to dig claw my way out of that hole. So that was a problem. And then when you're not making much and you're trying to pay down debt, you think, oh, I don't need to put money towards a 401k? Like, I just need the money now. Oh, that's so stupid. <laughs> that's so, so stupid. I regret having debt and having to claw out of that. I mean, my student loans and all that stuff is paid off, but, and the, clawing out of that and then not putting away enough money early on. And then I did put some money away and then I was like, oh, I feel like going back to school. I'll just cash that in, you know? And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. That's so bad. So people, please don't do that. Live within your means. It's so difficult. It's so simple, but it's so difficult with media, pressure, friends. They're going to go have a drink. I'll put it on a card. It's so easy to get caught up in the story instead of stopping and actually being intentional. And you know what's really funny? Well, this is not funny, but when you help people with their finances, you kind of see they look on the outside like they got it all together. And you're like, wow, this person's a really fabulous business coach. And oh, wow, look at all these things. But then when you look at their finances, you see a different side of them. And you're like, wow, this person has a lot of debt. Like, what is going on here? They're a shopaholic or something. But there again, it's that pressure of society. How Oh, if I'm a business coach, I need to look a certain way and I need to present myself, even though I'm putting myself in debt. Yeah, It's terrible. It's all about presentation sometimes. And we get caught up in that. We definitely get caught up. 
That's why I wear a hoodie. See, I'm <laughs> low cost. All right. And you paid cash. Well, I will tell you that I do put things on credit cards because I get points. Right. But I pay everything off every month. But you got to pay it off. You got to pay it I off. I always pay it off every month, but I get my points for, you know, whatever. Absolutely. Well, Heather, we're at the Fast Five. Okay. And so we're going to jump and change the energy. Fast Five is brought to you by Acorns, which is where you can invest, spare change, bank smarter, safer retirement, and more. For more information, you can click on the link in the show notes. So, all right, Heather, we're going to go fast. We're going to do five. Are you ready? Okay, sounds good. All right, here we go. If you could ask your cat one thing, what would it be? This is a really profound question for me because I love my cats. I would ask them if they understood that I love them. Cool. And you're hoping they would say yes. Yeah. 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 What's your financial superhero power? Oh, financial superhero power. Well, I would say being frugal, right? Okay, let's just say frugal. Okay, (laughs) here's one thing that I would recommend about the whole frugal superpower thing is I will cook and have leftovers. So that way I don't have to make another meal. I don't spend time doing that. But my superpower is saving money because... I think that people just waste money. They go out to lunch and they spend, I mean, this is COVID, so people aren't really doing that so much. But when you make food, make leftovers and then you can have another meal out of it. Or two or three. Or two or three, (laughs) yeah. What's one thing you prefer not to live without? I don't think I could live without Wi-Fi anymore. I think I'd go crazy. You go someplace and there's no Wi-Fi and you're like, panic sets in. Like, what about my email? Like, okay. (laughs) What's a deal breaker in a friendship? Oh, deal breaker in a friendship. Body odor? I don't know. (laughs) That could be rough. That could be rough. I don't know. No. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. That's it works. It works. Besides possibly taxes, what's one thing you really don't like to spend money on? Don't like spending money on tips. Ugh. Like, (laughs) can you just put it in the price? Like, I see the price. Like, tips and tax are like the same thing. It's like a tax on going out. Yeah. Yes, it is. And it's getting more expensive. Yeah, just pay your employees. Just pay your employees better so I don't have to pay for that. Include it in the price. I hear you. All right. Well, we are at the M&M moment of our show, that sweet spot, money and motivation. So, Heather, what is a financial practical tip or a piece of wealth wisdom you can share with our listeners that's worked for you? Okay, this is not financial advice, but I've been getting into crypto and just dipping my toe in there. So if you're crypto curious, just put a little money in there and just kind of try it out. It's been fun. And I think that just kind of treading into those waters has been good for me to like have a conversation with my clients because I think a lot of CPAs are afraid of crypto and you kind of dip your toe in there. You really don't know what's going on because it's a weird thing. It can be weird. I'm not crypto adverse. I'm just not as excited to get in the water because it feels like there's a lot of sharks around (laughs) and I don't like sharks. Yeah. I'm talking about a few hundred bucks. That's all. Yeah. It's like gambling. It's like gambling that could work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a smart way to do it. Just like little babies throwing a few bucks so that if you lose it, you can afford to continue eating and paying your mortgage. Yeah. Or your rent. But if it goes sky high, you're not like, God, I should have been on that train. Yeah, exactly. Just test the waters. Well, Heather, so here's what's been fun for me today, because I appreciate that You love the creativity. Not all CPAs are left brain, right brain. And some CPAs probably don't even know what I'm talking about right now. But I think it is so important working with creatives. I work with a lot of creative folks. There is so much shame around money. And the more that we can make it a shame-free zone, 
the more we can let people know it's okay that they didn't get the financial download, the more we can help them have their aha moments to actually get excited about something that we both geek out on. (laughs) I think that's so important. And I appreciate that you're also advocating for women because I do think sometimes they get the short end of the stick and don't get the opportunities or don't get the time and energy or the attention to help them build their businesses. So I love that you're out there doing that. You've got a podcast out there again to help have these conversations, which is the whole point of this podcast is having conversations around money to help remove that stigma of shame and to let people know they're not alone because a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people in general, when it comes to money, it's a very isolating thing. And there's so much shame if people knew our credit card debt, if they knew we filed bankruptcy, if they knew we didn't do it perfectly. And so I love that you're in that place of, I'm not trying to get the bankers. I'm trying to reach the people that actually need us and that you're actually doing it in a way that's inviting and lets people feel safe to actually go for it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And when you were talking about that, it just kind of reminded me of a couple that I worked with that I was doing money coaching with and how they told me, like, I saved their marriage. Their marriage was starting to deteriorate because of this whole money thing. And, you know, it happens to a lot of couples. I mean, it does. They get divorced over money. So sometimes we're like therapists in our job. We are. I call it financial therapy. Most (laughs) of my tax appointments turn into therapy sessions and that's okay because that's what's needed. That's what's needed. Where can people find you on social media, online, if they want to get a new CPA doing their taxes with uh, (laughs) funky colored hair and your podcast? Thank you for asking. So I do offer other things like bookkeeping and profitability coaching and group programs and all of that. So you can find me on Instagram at Zeitzwolf. So that's my last name. But Get the Balance Right is the name of my podcast. And if you go on Linktree, you can see Get the Balance Right. I have meetups for female entrepreneurs. I've got a Facebook group for female entrepreneurs. And it's just a fun time. We'll have guest speakers and all that. And then find me on Instagram. I don't know when you're watching this or listening to this, but I'm doing that live challenge. So maybe I'll still be doing it when this comes out. So find me there and yeah, hit me up. LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I don't look like I'd be on LinkedIn, but I am. So (laughs) Heather Zeitzwolf, you can find me there. Just DM me. Just don't try to sell me something off the bat. I can't stand when people contact me on LinkedIn and they're just like, from the get go, they're trying to sell me something. It's like, yeah, why would I buy something from you? I don't even know you. I know. That's so crazy. And just be open to vegan. If you're going to reach out to her, just be open. (laughs) Not saying you have to. You don't have to. Yeah, yeah. It's an invitation. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Heather, this has been so much fun. I so appreciate it. It's just been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. It was really, really fun. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Did you learn something new about your relationship to money today? Maybe you have a friend who has some financial blocks or beliefs that are holding them back. Please share this podcast so they too can get off the roller coaster ride of financial fears and journey towards financial freedom. To learn how to have a healthy relationship with money, visit themoneynerve.com. That's nerve, not nerd. We'll be back next week with another perspective on money and the emotions that bind us. Blah, blah, blah.